and welcome to 30 Days of Terror Day 13. How you do? Dan wouldn't let me record this episode yesterday because nope. he didn't want to finish on 13. Yep. So we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be doing two episodes back to back today, recording them. But also, speaking of conspiracy theories, I just watched that Jeffrey Epstein thing on Netflix. Oh, it's blown my mind. And my tinfoil hat is firmly on for this episode. A little radar's going around and beeping as we speak. Yeah. So every time, every every story, I'm going to be like, there's a conspiracy behind this, a governmental conspiracy. And when you see Emma's tattoos in the in a couple of days' time, when she gets some new ones, if you notice a little cue, you'll know what she means. I don't get it. I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> oh, I really, I don't understand the joke. <laughs> okay, people will understand it, so okay. you just carry on. <laughs> Thanks. If you explain it to me when we're off air, that'd be great. I've got three stories for you today. Are you ready? Never ready. Story number one comes from Kaylee. This story spans about 20 years in one house, my childhood house. We had been living in the house for 15 years before anything started. The house was normal and nothing had ever happened. No one in our house was into anything paranormal. My dad was a policeman, my mum worked in an office and me and my little brother were in school. After my parents had an extension built, that's when everything changed. Now before I tell you what happened, I need to explain the setup of the house. The bottom of the house is quite large, with a garden that wraps around the whole of the house. You can only access the garden from the front gate or the front driveway. The garden is fairly large, and we live on a very quiet road. When I was 13, I did a paper round and was always up super early and when I got home, my parents would still be in bed so I would sit and watch TV with my brother. One Saturday morning watching cartoons, I had just done my paper round and it had been snowing, which had settled. However, it was still very sunny outside. There was a glare on the living room wall from the window and I saw the shadow of a man on the wall as if he were walking past the living room window in our garden. With having a policeman for a dad, we were taught to be extra vigilant and always check things out that we didn't think were right. I rushed to the window and saw no one in the garden. I then ran to the back window where the man was headed and again there was nobody there. I ran outside via the back door and there were no footprints in the snow. I told my parents... And they didn't believe me. Fast forward a few months and nothing else happened that anyone noticed. However, I'd started hearing somebody calling my name. I'd be in my bedroom or making a cup of tea in the kitchen and I would hear someone call me from another room. I would never be able to tell whether it was a man or a woman. A bit like when you think you hear someone calling you in the street... My parents and brother actually thought I was going mad. That was until one night, during my dad's insomnia, he was sat downstairs at around 3am and heard someone calling his name. My dad, who had seen things in the past when he was younger, realised that something a bit untoward was going on. He managed to find a local paranormal group and asked them to find someone to come to our house. The woman who came along was apparently a psychic and she said 
the house needed to be cleansed. My parents weren't sure whether they would get this done, as a little bit of name-calling wasn't the end of the world. Or so they thought. My mum is the biggest sceptic in the world, always has been, and still is, despite something truly scary that happened a year later. We were sat in our living room, which had the bottom of the stairs next to its door, and one afternoon, while watching TV, we heard the deepest, most gruesome male growl any of us had ever heard. It was horrible. Even thinking about it right now is giving me goosebumps. So my mum then asked my dad to get the psychic back to cleanse the house. During all this time, we never told my brother what was going on. He was quite young at the time and it wouldn't be fair on him. So the house was cleansed and they were given these black stones to put in the extension, which would apparently keep the man away. Not much else happened while my parents lived there. It was fairly quiet. Until they decided to move out and gave me, my husband and my young son their house. This was about 12 years later. We've now been living in the house for two years and had quite a lot happen. I see shadows out of the corner of my eye all the time. Whenever I look around, there's never anybody there. My husband was sorting out something in our bedroom a few weeks ago and glimpsed in the mirror and there was a black figure standing behind him. But when he turned around, there was nothing there. My husband has also heard growls in his ear or the words, Get out! coming through a Bluetooth speaker. We have never spoken about any of this with our son. He's only five years old, but he keeps telling us that there is a man or a monster that lives in the house. He has taken to sitting by the side of the sofa to hide from the monster, and this really worries my husband. Another incident I had only a week ago. I was sitting in the bath with the door open watching Netflix, and I looked out of the door. Now, our landing is so small it's like a postage stamp so the bathroom door is only a step or two away from the top of the stairs. I looked around and saw a light from the bottom of the stairs, but it was like a light you see when you look at a bright light and then look away and blink. You know the one I mean. But it was behind the top step, as if it was at the bottom of the stairs. It was round, like the top of a head, and then I blinked and it was gone. Now, if it was because I'd stared at a light which I hadn't, I was having a bath during the day, I didn't have any lights on, it would have still been there for a few blinks. I don't know what it was, but I didn't feel worried. Sometimes we do come home from work and find lights on, even battery-operated fairy lights. Stuff goes missing, shadows out of the corner of my eye. I sometimes wonder if it's building to something. We've even had bright flashes of light coming from our back garden but there's nowhere they would be coming from. All of these experiences have now made me very interested in the paranormal. And I love your podcast. It's made me feel like I'm not alone. I've had a lot of stick over the years, even being told I'm lying or making it up. One girl told me it was all in my head. I also neglected to mention that we live next door to a graveyard. There's your problem. What, that it's aliens? Because it's definitely aliens. Why do you think it's aliens? Oh, lights coming in from the garden, suspicious lights, man monsters that the child is hiding from. No, it's aliens. 
No, it's the spirits from the graveyard. No, I don't. I really don't think they'd be bothered going on a day out. Just going on a little adventure. Yeah, that's their current pastime, messing with the family that lived there. It's more mirror action as well, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of mirror action going on. It's no. almost like people I'm are right. trying to wind you up. Or I'm right. Or it's almost like people are trying to wind you up. <laughs> or I'm right. Or you could be right. Yeah. You could be right about your mirror world. Mm. We have lots of um, people calling people, don't we? Hearing their names and stuff. And it's one thing when you're waking up because you can almost write it off as that explosion yeah. head. But when it's just in the middle of the day. Oh, yeah. No, that wouldn't be nice. Wouldn't be nice at all. But I mean, I would be... I don't know, moving out. Yeah, mind you, it's free house, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, if if somebody gave me a house, no matter what was going on in there, if there was literal demons with like bedrooms as my housemates, I'd be like, <laughs> you know what, guys, you can stay. Yeah, because we're all living here for free. Yeah, fair. I think that your wisp of wisp was much less threatening that time. Well done. Uh, no worries I did it purposefully thanks because I thought you know what if I keep doing that scary demon voice you would actually leave me yep. there will be a divorce yep. at the end of these 30 yes. days yes you are correct and our second story today comes from Wayne this is a very brief account of what my younger brother experienced as a three and four year old child I say my brother experienced it but it was more like we all experienced it he was just the epicentre At the age of about three, my brother started talking to an imaginary friend called Tommy. He would play happily with his friend for hours, which is nothing out of the ordinary as lots of kids have imaginary friends. Things started to get a little strange when late one night my mother woke up to banging coming from my brother's room. His room was above hers. She recalls it was not just the odd bang, but heavy thumps on the floor. She raced up the stairs and flung his door open, not sure what to expect. And to her surprise, she found him just sat in bed, laughing out loud. When she asked what all the banging was, and why he was not asleep, he responded by telling her that it was Tommy. And he wouldn't let him go to sleep, and he kept lifting his bed up and down. I need to add at this point that his bed was one of those with a pull-out desk and drawers underneath it, so it would have taken a grown adult just to lift one end of it. Mum's always been very open and responsive to all things unearthly, so it didn't faze her too much. So she just told the imaginary Tommy to stop messing around and let him go to sleep and that was it for the night. No more disturbances. Was it my brother jumping up and down on the floor? Or was it Tommy? One point my mum made was that the banging was literally going on until the moment she opened the door. In the days that followed, mum started asking him more and more questions about Tommy. At first, he wouldn't say much. But eventually he opened up, and it was a little bit spooky. My brother told us how Tommy and he were good friends a long time ago, when my brother was a man. He told us that his job was to bang hot metal with a hammer to make things for horses and one day him and Tommy had tried to climb a big hill but it got too cold and they went to sleep on the hillside and that's when he came to be our mum's little baby. That's a little bit creepy. Bearing in mind he was only three years old and it was difficult to comprehend how a young child would know about blacksmiths as well as some of the detail he gave about himself as a man. 
Over the next few months, things carried on quite uneventfully, apart from the odd disappearance and reappearance of objects somewhere else. One afternoon, while driving through the local village, my brother was knelt up on the back seat looking out of the back window, chatting away to himself, when mum said she heard another voice. It was only for a split second, and when she looked in the rearview mirror, there was a child knelt up next to him, also looking out the back window. And in the blink of an eye, he was gone. That was the last time Tommy visited my brother, and when asked where Tommy was, he wouldn't answer, until one day he came out with, Tommy has gone to be someone else's little boy now. And that was the end of Tommy. In the weeks that followed, if you asked him about Tommy, he would just look confused, as if he didn't know who Tommy was. From then on, Tommy didn't exist, and he has no recollection of him nearly 40 years later. Was he real, or just the imagination of a child? A trick of the light in the mirror? We will never know. One thing I do know, is there isn't many three-year-olds that can tell you what a blacksmith does, or how he uses his tools... Or that if you get cold on the side of a mountain, you just drift off to sleep and die. That story is creepy. What the hell? I don't like little children speaking to other little ghost children. And I don't... I know Wayne said in the start of his story, oh, plenty of children have imaginary friends. What if they don't? What if there's no such thing as an actual imaginary friend and they're all speaking to ghosts? I always think it's really weird when little children are like, before I was your baby, I was yeah. a man who did... Past life regressions yeah, in oh. a little child is weird. And isn't it so weird how now he has no recollection of it? Like, did we all have that when we were children? Like, honestly, like, did we all have... Oh, it really freaks me out. I'm pretty sure I didn't. But the only way you know if you've had that is by somebody else telling you. Yeah, but my mum remembers all random shit about me being that little. That little. Yeah, probably. She's never said anything to me. But maybe she just wasn't listening, you she know? Told, or unless, uh, yeah. Well, she told me about the time I was playing with the dinosaurs under the table. I'm talking about being a Vegisaurus. You were a Vegisaurus? One of the dinosaurs I was playing with was a Vegisaurus. I was telling the other one that it was a Vegisaurus. Cute. Yeah. I like that. I um, I had a friend in school who had a little sister when we were like maybe 17 in secondary school and she had a little sister who was like two or three and like that she started talking about nope. where she was like in my other life like and as, as a three-year-old to have the the mm. I know I always say this and people message me all the time when they're like yeah children at that age can form full sentences and I'm like oh, okay sorry I'm just not very experienced with children of that age clearly and she um she would talk about like her farm that she lived on and not in like a childlike way. She would talk about ploughing. And when it came to like August, she was like, oh, it's time to, it's time for me to cut my carrots and whatever else. She Like, it was really strange. And I remember my friend coming into school and being like, this really weird thing is happening with my little sister. And she keeps talking about her life before she came to live with us. So strange. So she was a changeling then? Most definitely. Mm. 100%. Interesting. And I've got one more story for you today. And our third story comes from Maureen. I'm a middle-aged woman who was raised by parents who spoke very openly about ghosts and paranormal activity. My parents were part of the silent generation, being born in the 30s. And interestingly enough, the paranormal was probably the only thing they talked openly about. I'd like to clarify that it was not in a brainwashing way, just storytelling 
and an intriguing kind of way, allowing us to decide for ourselves. Having said that, there was a very strict rule in our house. No Ouija boards were permitted in our house and no one was ever permitted to play it anywhere else. My mother was a firm believer of its powers. To add to the history of our family, my father's parents, my grandparents, were immigrants to Canada from the UK in the 20s. My grandparents were very much involved in the spiritualism movement that was taking place at the time. They attended many seances and as a result were firm believers and talked very openly with their children. Perhaps it was the reason why my father was a believer as well. My grandparents were friends with Jenny O'Hara Pincock, a Canadian author and poet who published the book Trails of Truth in 1930. Trails of Truth consists of minutes taken during seances that she was present at. My grandparents were also present during many of the seances recorded in this book and others. Now to my story. My grandfather passed away before I was born, so I never had the pleasure of meeting him. My grandmother was alive until I was about 20, and during that time she shared many of her personal, spiritual and paranormal experiences with me. She would often tell me that she would come back to visit me after she died, which was kind of creepy. She hasn't yet, that I'm aware of. I've never had a paranormal experience, at least not in the traditional way. But I am a believer that messages can be sent to us from the afterlife in other ways. But we just need to be paying attention. I was in a local family-owned appliance store waiting to pay for my newly purchased appliances. In the offices where I waited, the hallway was lined with vintage photographs from our town. Many of them were from local team sports pictures from the 50s and 60s. I took a walk down the hallway looking at all the pictures, expecting to see a picture of my parents as teenagers, as they were both baseball stars in the 50s. To my surprise, I did not find a picture of them, but I did come across a picture of my grandfather, a group picture of him and a few other men, all dressed in suits, and my grandfather was holding a silver plate. There was no date and no information with this picture. I asked the salesperson if he knew anything about the picture and he did not. As soon as I got home, I called my dad to ask him about the picture and there was nothing about my description of the picture that sounded familiar to him. My grandmother had already passed away so I could not ask her about the picture. I just couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to this. Two days later we attended my aunt and uncle's 50th wedding anniversary party in their home. My uncle is my dad's eldest brother. When I walked into their dining room, I immediately noticed on the food table the silver plate that my grandfather was holding in the picture I saw two days before. Without thinking, I grabbed the silver plate and dumped the cookies that were on it onto another plate. On the back of the silver plate, it was inscribed, Herbert Gray, thank you for the many years of service to the city of St. Catharines. Congratulations on your retirement. There it was, an explanation of the picture. It was my grandfather's retirement picture. My grandfather was a parks and recreation superintendent for the city of St. Catharines for many years. Understandably, my uncle took notice of my odd behaviour and obvious interest in this plate and asked me what all the fuss was about. 
I explained how I had seen the picture of Grandpa holding the plate at Nickerson's and asked him if he knew anything about the picture. He said that he did not. I then told him that I think there must be a reason that I saw that picture and then only two days later came across the plate from the picture here. Perhaps it is Grandpa's birthday or the anniversary of his death or maybe he is just letting us know that he is thinking about us. My uncle responded by telling me how ridiculous I sounded. He then proceeded to tell me his thoughts on his parents' involvement in spiritualism and paranormal beliefs. According to my uncle, who was the eldest of three boys in his family, his parents dragged him around to these seances and such. It was all a very big embarrassment for him, and he didn't believe in any of it. My uncle didn't participate in any of the seances. His parents would often attend seances that were conducted at Daniel Hetherington's house. While the seances were being held inside the house, the children that accompanied their parents would play outside where Daniel Hetherington had a child-sized train and track for children to play on. My uncle explained to me that Daniel Hetherington's house was on Adams Street in St. Catharines. The backyard bordered the Hotel Dieu Hospital parking lot and is now owned by the hospital and is the men's detox centre. He also told me that my father was named after Daniel Hetherington because he was such a good friend of my grandparents. My uncle and I continued to have long conversations about it all. Apparently my grandparents were also very open with my uncle about their beliefs. However, my uncle didn't believe any of it and was quite ashamed of his parents and he never spoke about it with his wife or his children. Quite the opposite to my father which I thought was very interesting. The very next day, my husband and I had plans to meet friends at the annual Grape and Wine Festival bike race called the Squeezer. Our friend always participates in the race, and the tradition is to meet up at the finish line and then on to the after party. We were behind schedule, and were rushing to get to the finish line on time. Unbeknownst to us, the finish line had been moved this particular year, and we were standing at the old finish line's location looking very confused. A passerby happened to see us and yelled, The finish line has moved to the end of the street. Go straight down Yates and it's at the end, you can't miss it. We thanked him and off we went and before I knew it, I was standing on the men's detox centre front lawn. I was looking up at that house that was once owned by Daniel Hetherington where many seances took place and where my uncle played on the child-sized train in the backyard. Coincidence? Maybe, or maybe not. My body was completely covered in goosebumps when I realised where I was. I like it when stuff like that happens. When you look, at, when you see something, it twigs something in you, and then something happens a couple of days later that kind of confirms it or reconfirms it, and then you have another experience that backs that up as well. It's all very interesting getting to know people, getting to know things about your family and stuff like that. And it's like the stars aligning, isn't it? Yeah. Like everything sort of happens seemingly for a reason, which mm. I quite like as well. It's better It's better because it's someone that she didn't really know as well in her family. It's like things aligning for that because she didn't know her grandfather very well, did she? Cause he no, yeah, he died before she was born, so she never got yeah. to meet him. So maybe it is the universe's way of teaching her about yeah. her family. Her family passed, yeah. which is interesting. Very interesting. I'd love to know people, like I love like those serendipitous stories where it's like this links to this links to this and then you find out this thing I just think they're so fascinating yep it's like a treasure map yeah and it does make me feel like wow the universe is aligning or it's making 
or or it's like that person is using those little signs to let you know that they're still there yeah but you got to be looking for them Keep an eye on you. How funny that that plate should be on the table as well after seeing it in the yeah. photo and nobody knowing anything about it and then it's just sitting there. And it's it. just so like, such a thing as well because it's the kind of thing you get in the olden days for retirement, isn't it? A silver plate or... Oh, definitely. Something like that. Um, so yeah, that's cool. I also really enjoyed that they were big into the spiritualist movement mm. because like so many people were in the 30s, like it was such a big deal going to seances and it was kind of... Not not so much like widely respected. That's not the right phraseology. It was just accepted. Mm. Maybe more so. A bit more in a public sphere, maybe. Yeah. I reckon that book by Jenny Pinnock, Pinnock Peacock uh, would be worth reading, actually. The minutes of all the mm. seances. Yeah, that probably is a really interesting read. Yeah. yeah. Very good story. Thank you, Maureen. And if you enjoyed this week's episode... You can find everything you need to track us down on www.reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com on that lovely website designed by my wife you will see links to our social meads our merch stores our various merch stores which are run by all the artists the great and excellent artists that have created our merch you'll find links to our facebook where we have a super super facebook group which has got a password which is emma and dan um, and it will also show you where you can find our Patreon, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you can get heaps loads of extra content. Not that you're short of it at the moment, but if you do need a little bit more, knock yourself out. And also, don't forget to donate to Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. Whatever your donation is, whether it's $1 or whether it's a billion dollars, then you can have the chance to win some Real Life Ghost Stories merchandise, which can be quite expensive because the because the shipping distributors, the places that actually print up the merchandise can be quite expensive. So it might be a good way for you to have the chance to get some merchandise. Also, sickened if you donate a billion pounds and I'm you get a hoodie say, in return. Well, I was about to say, if you donate a billion pounds, you probably need to let other people know because out of the woods wildlife foundation probably won't need anybody else's donations <laughs> and you can donate that money to elsewhere <laughs> and on that note we shall see you tomorrow bye, bye.